You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. At Four River Smokehouse, now through October 31st, take $5 off on orders of $25 or more when ordering in-store, online, or by phone using promo code GATORSBREAKDOWN. Gators Breakdown. Because there's never a dull moment in Gator Nation. The Gators Breakdown Podcast is ready to go. I'm your host, David Waters, and you can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. Joining me for this episode, kind of impromptu here, Graham Hall from the Gainesville Sun. And Graham, uh, man, uh, I've said it plenty of times. Uh, it's the moniker for the podcast. There's never a dull moment in Gator Nation and uh, never more so fitting than now. Yeah, that, that's really true. And before we... I, uh, before we really get into it, I, I got to say that it is a sad day, regardless of how you look at it, because I think we're all on board that nobody wants to see a virus spread or anyone get sick whatsoever. And talking about these in just plain terms, you know, we just talked to Scott Strickland uh, on the Zoom call, and he did call it a sad day. And I think that it just gets missed sometimes in the media when you're reporting these things that Sometimes people are, I don't know, rooting for them. But more than anything, I just got to say that it's just an extremely sad day to report these things because things were going so well for so long in a sense, Dave. Yeah, man. And, we, you know, there was the big question. You know, if you if you had asked me in April, in May, in June, even into maybe even early July before the team got together, were we going to have a football season? I was leaning no. And three games in, you know, we, we, we finally we see the Gators play three games, go two and one in those games. And and now going into the fourth game of the season against the defending national champion LSU Tigers, uh, the game's put on hold. So yeah, Mike, like you said, we 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 I, I personally didn't think a season would happen at one point. We get our games, we get teased a little bit, and now here we are, uh, where we have to, you know the team is fighting the, the this COVID virus. And as you said, you know you you hope all the precautions are done are are done right. And as Scott Strickland said, that these guys are are taking their precautions and and they're healthy. And that's the number one thing is everybody's uh, taking care of themselves and doing it the right way. But as you said, man, it was just uh, we we didn't know we'd get it. We got a taste of it, and and now for for a little bit at least now it's gone for a little while. Yeah, it is gone for a little while. Scott Strickland today said that the program is going to indefinitely close the facilities and send those guys home. Although everyone who's not in quarantine and the coaches who aren't uh, will stick to the current protocols. Uh, I I still do have a few questions about that, but that's not really um, what we're talking about right now. Uh, Really the last few days though, I think that Florida is going to need to do a lot of inward reflection, I guess would be the term, I guess, contact tracing, whatever you want to call it to make sure that, like you said, Florida can get back on track in a sense. Just to recap some of what has happened here in the past few days, Sunday morning, Florida, after the game, Sunday morning, Florida had several players in their morning round of testing 
um, who, who were experiencing symptoms come into the program and, and later tested positive. And Florida, while they were waiting to see how widespread the problem is, did kind of go about business as usual. They did postpone a Monday meeting and, and later restarted. And the team did practice on Monday. And, and we'll have to see if, if that does lead to more problems down the line right now. Fortunately, Scott Strickland did say that everyone is either asymptomatic or has had mild symptoms. And, and I, I'm not sure what mild necessarily means. If you go by the CDC guidelines, they're, they're experiencing cold and flu-like symptoms. So I don't know where the team goes from here, Dave. I think that you're going to see a one-week postponement, if anything. But I, I'm looking past LSU. I'm looking at possibly Missouri and seeing when Florida can get back on track because we've seen that if you don't knock this thing out, if you don't really clean everything and take serious time, if you come back too quickly is what I'm saying, it can knock you out longer. It can linger around the program, and that's not what Florida wants to do. And, and what Scott Strickland said today, that they have to know when to pump the brakes with his terms. Florida is wise to pump the brakes right now in the situation with less than 50 scholarship players really available, including quarantine. And that's uh, nothing to joke about. Absolutely, absolutely. So uh, Graham's going to you know, join me. We, we got off the Scott, Scott Strickland call. We had Dan Mullen on the SEC teleconference this morning uh, there. So a lot of uh, a lot of moving parts the last couple of days, Graham. Uh, but before we do, remember, you can find Gators Breakdown and News4Jacks.com slash Gators Breakdown. You'll find all the Gators Breakdown episodes there. News for Jack's coverage of the Gators. There'll be plenty more, plenty more on, on all this coverage uh, of the Gators having to postpone their game this weekend versus LSU. Uh, please share, rate, and review Gators Breakdown. Review the show. Subscribe on YouTube. Hit that like button if you're checking us out on YouTube uh, or your favorite podcast platform. Whatever audio version you want out there, you can get it on the uh, whatever your favorite podcast platform is uh, if you haven't already. And then check us out on social media. We're on Twitter and Facebook at Gators breakdown. So, Graham, you know, we, we kind of found out today what happened um, over the weekend uh, a, a little bit. Uh, Tuesday, it did come out that uh, in um, the, the campus, uh, the alligator had the report of uh, 19 uh, Florida Gator players tested positive uh, for COVID. And then Wednesday comes along and we get even more uh, about that. Alan Taylor, the athletic uh, source, told the athletic uh, there that the Gators have 29 players sideline, 19 who tested positive. Uh, another 10 who faced mandatory quarantines uh, based upon being exposed. That, you know, that had come out right before uh, Dan Mullen's SEC teleconference that he uh, jumped on. And then he started that with, you know, of course, he wanted to clarify the stadium capacity comments and, you know, play basically saying they played Texas A&M in a great atmosphere. They kind of just wanted, you know, an atmosphere uh, for Florida when you kind of relate it to that. He says, whatever number the health officials allow, that's what he wants that environment to to consist of uh, with that safe number. He apologized if he offended anyone uh, and how it has respect for the health officials and, and, and praises the protocols that Florida has taken, uh, you know, taken the approach with. And, uh, of course, you know, later on we get the, the announcement that the game's postponed. Uh, but, but, of course, Graham, when, you, uh, uh, when it came out Tuesday that Florida had a, had been hit by COVID, and you go back to Dan Mullen's comments, you know, there was a whole lot of connection that didn't need to be connected. Those were two separate incidents, you know, and nothing to, uh, nothing to connect there. But a lot of people wanted to connect those dots. Yeah, you know, I'm not going to criticize Dan Mullen too much in a sense because this is so hard of a situation to deal with. But knowing what we do know now and, and knowing that the team 
may have, I guess, regrets in retrospect about practicing. You know, I, I could understand why there, why there could be some blame put on Dan Mullen and maybe Scott Strickland's shoulders because uh, you're supposed to take, what is that term, an abundance of caution and stop everything. And the team did practice after at least being aware of five positive tests and the doctors thinking that this may be more of a widespread problem. They still did go ahead and practice with those who were available and, and people can judge that decision however they want. Uh, but that was the information they had available. I think that first I got to say credit to Peyton Titus at the alligator for putting that 19 number out there because, and here's why I say that even though it it has grown to what 21 with 18 and Mm -hmm. plus the three walk-ons, you know, Scott Strickland said that number was accurate at the time and it gave a more reflective view of the real situation because, and let me say this and explain this to people who don't know, the testing numbers that were released earlier that Tuesday, right. the five number were accurate as of Monday. And we, I don't know when Monday. So they were from Sunday's tests. If, if you believe the schedule, the SEC laid out. Now we find out that Florida was testing daily, so they could have been from Monday. And in that case, you still, everything Scott Strickland said, they practiced with five guys who tested positive with those guys out. Now you find that two coaches are among that group. And like you said with Allen's report at The Athletic, a very good story. I recommend everyone reading if they can. Uh, 29 and counting right now. The big reason I didn't put out a number in any time and only said, I think the big thing, which I'm going to get to in one second, is that this is a changing situation all the time. The numbers are going to change. People are going to get off the list. They're going to become eligible and people are going to be added to it. And in college athletics, we're not going to really know that much, it seems, because these schools are going to protect them more than NFL teams are going to protect them when it comes to keeping that information. And I'm not going to get into whether you think that's right or wrong, but that's just the reality of the situation. The last thing I want to say necessarily on that point is when it comes down to having a player on the road who I'm hesitant to even say this. I put out there that one of the initial five players that tested positive was someone who in my knowledge played significant minutes because I know who they are and I'm not divulging that, but I know that one of them played significant reps in college station and for them to test positive Sunday, if that were the case, it does some, sometimes become a moral issue with reporting that as soon as possible. So that Texas A&M and, and Florida and other programs possibly can make the best decisions because as Scott Strickland laid out a lot of programs have financial sheets that are an absolute mess right now and pumping the brakes early and mitigating the risks and minimizing the damage rather than trying to carry on as usual. It may be the smartest decision just in my amateur opinion in a sense. And that's why I think there's been kind of a push to make this, case by the alligator and people like myself and you Dave to, to get the full information out there and kudos to Dan Mullen and, and Scott Strickland for being transparent today. Yeah, absolutely. The, the biggest probably transparent remark and, and kind of going to your point, Strickland said some players started showing symptoms 
which is runny nose or, you know, seasonal allergy symptoms uh, late last week. And then they traveled to College Station. And he said he wished they would have said something sooner, you know, and you kind of Friday being that date uh, of when the uh, the team traveled and some of those players uh, traveled as well. The team was tested on Thursday. Uh, and, you know, that kind of has to be the case. You, do, would you like to be able to test on Friday before you get on the plane? Absolutely. But I'm not sure the timing aspect of all that and, and how that works. So Florida tested Thursday and everybody who was able to travel traveled uh, on Friday without testing positive for COVID. Uh, but as I said, if you if you started showing the symptoms, you wish they would have said something earlier and then you know, maybe held back as a precaution uh, if that was the case. But as far as testing goes, Florida did the testing through the protocols of the SEC and did it the right way, the way they were supposed to. Yeah, and – the protocols are very interesting. Someone asked Scott Strickland on the call if, if he could change, I think it was Mark Long, if he could change anything about the SEC protocols. And, I, you know, Scott is, was very diplomatic, let me say that, and I think a wise decision. So let me be a little bit less diplomatic and, and give you my opinion on that. The lack in, in that privacy, let me backtrack a little bit, the privacy that I talked about with universities keeping things under wraps and protecting those student-athletes is I guess going to backfire in a sense, possibly when you look at the protocols don't necessarily strictly require these teams to, I I guess, self-report so many figures like who possibly may have been exposed. It's just who is tested positive and who is in Florida's case, actually unavailable. You don't know actual numbers of who is tested positive. So when you do go and play a road game, you, you may, not be aware of certain factors. You have less information. And what Scott Strickland said today, we haven't been able to necessarily trace the source of where this came from yet. We believe it came from on the road. Those statements don't necessarily mix together. Well, if you ask me, because if there was more transparency, they would be able to contact trace and find the source a little bit more easily. And theoretically here, I just based on what I've read and, and on the ever changing situation that is COVID-19, the more contact tracing you can do, the more you can limit the future spread and avoid epidemics. So in a sense, the SEC protocols are limiting the ability of after you have an epidemic to contain it and stop it from getting worse based on protecting student athletes. And we can sit here all day and debate about the ethical and other concerns of that, but I, I think that if you step back and look at it from a medical standpoint, this culture, in a sense, is limiting the ability of contact tracing if you do have an epidemic. Yeah, the, the big thing and you brought up there is the, the, the suspicion of the trip to College Station is the cause. I mean, you kind of have to look at that in the way as he's not, you know, it wasn't a blame at Texas A&M or a blame at the city of College Station. It was Hey, it happened during the trip, you know. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And a lot of people kind of took that the wrong way. It was like, no, he's not blaming Texas A&M, not blaming College Station. The suspicion is the trip itself, not not necessarily the destination that, that caused it. So I think a lot of people got held up on that and thought maybe he was throwing shade toward the Aggies or College Station. That's not how I took it, and that's not how he meant it. Uh, we, no, we, not we at all. That. Brian Kelly. Earlier in the season, you know, Notre Dame had 25 guys get sick from a pregame meal, and he was as transparent as he could be about it, that it just could be a team-wide activity on the road that you're not normally doing, going somewhere that you're not normally used to going. 
interacting or bumping into people that are, you know, not used to following the protocols that you're following. It can be anything where they break out of their little bubble. He's not necessarily pinning that on the Aggies. And I don't think anyone would buy that considering the Aggies have in, in the 24 hours, 48 hours mm-hmm. since have not reported any issues. So that would not really hold weight if anyone was thinking that was his insinuation. Right. So uh, kind of to recap uh, the why the game was postponed. Florida LSU postponed. We're looking at December 12th. Uh, there are 18 scholarship players, three walk-ons tested positive uh, through contact tracing, uh, quarantine, and injured players. The Gators have less than 50 players available. That's why the game uh, was postponed. And, you know, you can honestly, with less than 50, Graham, you can forget about if there was a certain number of offensive linemen, a certain number of defensive linemen or, or quarterbacks that didn't have the, that didn't have the number four with less than 50 players available. Yeah, of course there's going to be position groups that, that have been hit. Uh, so, but with that, with that less than 53, you actually didn't, you know, this is less than 50, but under 53 threshold, that's what the sec is going to look at when it went, when, when it dipped below, uh, the number 53, you, you have to make the move to cancel the game. Yeah, absolutely. And, and there's a few more intricacies in that 53-man rule as well. You know, I, I've touted sometimes the additions of smart walk-ons like Mark Pitts and, and stuff like that. So you, you think, oh, man, uh, why can't one of those guys play? You know, they're competitive. They'd be playing at, at places like UCF and, and stuff like that. Uh, the SEC requires that you have, I, I believe, one quarterback, four defensive linemen and seven offensive linemen available. And that's just some of those position groups. And and it varies among the list with those numbers. And and I can tell you right away, Florida is coming up short in several of those areas when you factor in quarantine, contact tracing and positive. So it's not even just, oh, they're below the 53 man. They're missing multiple benchmarks that once those tests were confirmed today, really kind of put in plain view and, and I'll credit Florida again here, even though I, I don't necessarily have to. Uh, once they realized today, and, and I was kind of standing by waiting for this to be fully final, final, and, and push that great tweet button, you know, <laughs> make all my money on Twitter.com. Um, I, 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 you know, once Florida realized, to their credit today, they spread the word. They told parents in a Zoom call on Tuesday night what the case was, that this is a likely thing that was going to happen. They even spoke to some parents of players who tested positive, and I don't want to describe Dan Mullen's tone necessarily as apologetic, but but what I heard was that he he was emotional in that call, and I, I think that when you boil it down, like I said at the beginning of this, this is a sad day, and while while everyone wants to win, and and those guys' jobs is to win, Florida realized pretty quickly that this was not something that was going to be able to happen. And they started taking the steps. As everyone remembers very well, when there was a hurricane coming in here, people were hesitant to close the game. I mean, we're, we're four days, what, three days away from kickoff again Saturday and, and they're fully prepared to postpone the game. So it was not going to happen. And it was just finalizing that. And now I think the step turns to obviously the health of Florida's athletes and when they can get back in the facility. Yeah, we'll get into uh, kind of what's happening next there, uh, Graham. I know there's there not going to be any, not, not much football in Gainesville this weekend, uh, of course, but uh, you can still you can still enjoy uh, some 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 a great time watching other teams around the country uh, play some football. And when it's football season, it's also tailgating season, Graham. And uh, you know, bar- barbecue goes good with that. 
Hey guys, there's nothing better for a tailgate than uh, barbecue, and you got to get it from Four River Smokehouse, named the number one barbecue in the South Ooh. by Southern Living Magazine. Four River Smokehouse is a family-owned barbecue restaurant specializing in 18-hour smoked Angus brisket. Grandman, I love me some brisket, and got to have some ribs too, man. Absolutely, I've got I've got the Four Rivers barbecue sauce sitting here in my fridge right now. I put it on everything. I'm a big barbecue sauce guy, man. When I get it from the store. Or, or from any restaurant, I bring it home. I'm putting extra sauce on every single time. I'm dousing it. I know a lot of people out there are saying that I'm ruining the high quality meat, and, and they're probably accusing me of being the guy that puts ketchup on steak or something ludicrous like that. But no, man, I just love me some barbecue sauce, especially from Four Rivers. Absolutely, man. You got to get their home style size, fresh baked desserts at any of Four Rivers Smokehouse's 13 Florida locations. Four Rivers party packages come tailgate ready, so you can spend more time watching the game, not the grill. Enjoy the party of six package for $55 or the party of 12 package for $99. Each package includes Four Rivers award-winning barbecue meats, homestyle sides, buns, and Graham's favorite signature barbecue sauces. So now through Ooh. October 31st, take $5 off on $25 or more when ordering in-store, online, or by phone using promo code Gators Breakdown. Gators, if you're in Gainesville, swing by Four Rivers located in Butler Plaza. If you're tailgating at home in the Orlando, Jacksonville, Tampa, or Tallahassee areas, then you can also enjoy the best barbecue anywhere in Florida at Four Rivers Smokehouse. So the, the, the barbecue should make everybody feel a little bit better uh, for missing a game this Saturday, Graham. <laughs> yeah, it does. Absolutely. It's been a minute since I've had a, some Four Rivers barbecue. I may have to swing back by there uh, this weekend because we're not going to have too much else going on. Uh, you know, man, when I really look at this slate of, of games, though, that's coming up, and, and we're we're only, what, 10 days away from, from the Big Ten actually starting football, I, you know, we could have full Power 5 football going on in November if everyone just gets their stuff together. Yeah, and you know, talk about getting their stuff together. That's what, the, that's what Florida in the SEC, LSU, all, all these teams have to do. You expect in a game this week, as we mentioned earlier, the, the tentative plan for Florida LSU is to be played December 12th. So now, Graham, that means Florida's going to end their season with Kentucky, Tennessee, and LSU in three straight games. Uh, and if you're still in the running for the SEC championship, you know that's going to be a tough three-game stretch there uh, going into Atlanta if uh, everything plays out the, the way uh, fans want them to. So as we kind of look at it uh, moving forward here, we still don't even know uh, right now, you know, Florida has, is pausing all team activities related to the football team. You know, nobody is taking, no, nobody's doing anything related to football right now at the University of Florida. So, Graham, I mean, it also begs the question: What happens to Florida, Missouri next week with all the the quarantining and go, going on that has to take place now? Uh, so, it's uh, the schedule's kind of already being uh, flipped on its head a little bit with these Gators. Yeah, and it kind of makes it so that when Florida does return to football activities they really won't have a bye week necessarily because you think about it, they, they have been in the building for half the week and, and now the next few days are, are not going to be spent on preparing or, or really relaxing. It'll be spent on staying up on film, possibly of Missouri, uh, up on film, then even of Georgia, that's going to be on November 7th. There's a bye week on October that, that is built in for October 31st, but you have to think that if the Missouri game gets pushed, you're looking at possibly that being pushed to a week after that. Um, when Florida can just get back in the building remains just totally in flux. Like you said, it, Scott Strickland kept using that term indefinitely, indefinitely. I, I put out there that they were optimistic that they could get back by next Monday. 
Uh, that's optimistic. If, if you really had to, if you really had to, I don't know, make me put some money on it, which is not much that I have. Um, <laughs> I, I'm saying $5 that maybe Dan Mullen is back in the building by Monday. Um, but I don't think you'll see anywhere near a full return to football activities for a week in Gainesville. I, I think that that's wise. Um, you, you look at the weight room, you look at everywhere. They're, they're going to take that, I hate to use this term again, that abundance of caution before bringing everyone back because if you, if you restart it, you, you, you can't stop it again and then restart it again, in yeah. my mind. I, I think that you only get one shot at sending a lesson that, guys, we showed we could do it before. Something happened. Let's fix it. Let's make sure it doesn't happen again. And you do that, and if you can return and – I think teams can really benefit from doing that. If they can see everything, see how fickle it really is, if they don't follow it and then unify around that. I, I think they could really benefit a team, but if you don't do that, it could re- lead to a whole lot of discord. It already is kind of a tenuous situation to avoid blaming people who come down with the virus and, and see that you have to stop improving because someone else got sick nearby you. That is already a budding mentality among college football players. And you have to make sure that that only happens once in my mind to uh, avoid it becoming a serious issue inside a program. Yeah, it happens again. And people are really going to start questioning, you know, even if you are taking all the precautions, you know, is it just inevitable that that is going to happen? And and no matter what you do, that it's going to, most people thought coming into this season, it was going to be hard to get all 10 games in. And that's why the SEC built that, you know, December 12th date in. And, you know, that's going to right now turn out to to work out. And, you know, we're kind of looking at the schedule here. Missouri already already has, uh, you know, if they don't play, Florida on October 24th, then they already have a game against Kentucky on October 31st. So what what's going to happen is, you know, if, if Florida, Missouri, if Florida and LSU and Florida and Missouri doesn't happen, then to me, the chain reaction is going to be the SEC has to change the entire schedule. Uh, if you want to, if you don't want to cancel games, if you still want teams to try and play 10 games, then you're going to have to look at a solution of shifting schedules and shifting other teams' bye weeks around just to fit all 10 games in. So I, I do wonder what the SEC is thinking behind the scenes. If two games for a team get postponed, then what's the what, what's the protocol? What's the movement there? Do you start canceling games and then going by a winning percentage or, or, or something like that? You know, it's going to be – and we're still, we're, I mean, we're still a little while away before we'll even find out what happens with, with, with Florida and Missouri. But you got to think, you know, through quarantining and, and guys having to miss some time, that it's a, a distinct possibility that you have to look out for that game being moved as well. It certainly is possible. And, and we're sitting here with Missouri Vanderbilt already being pushed right. and now the Florida LSU game being pushed. And, you know. Ole Miss came out today I too said, saying they've tested positive. They, they, yeah. And so – this is where the politics are absolutely going to come into play. If, if every SEC team has an issue and every SEC team is, is not going to play 10 games, then absolutely the conference is going to have to figure something else out, or they're going to just, they're going to have to make it about Oh, nine games or whoever has the most wins because, and I hate to kind of beat a, a, a drum here, but this is kind of what people were saying was a possibility in the off season, when, when we sat here and said for the first time ever, teams that manage the virus 
and follow the social distancing protocols may have for the first time ever a competitive advantage. And people were like, well, what does that mean in a sense? I mean, everyone's going to have to deal with the virus. Well, we may be here in December and Georgia has seven games and Florida has only been able to play, you know, eight games period. Who knows if, if, if that's the case, you know, one of those teams who just got to play one extra game and ha- therefore has one more win is going to be the representative. And for the first time ever, it may come down to theoretically here, not going out and celebrating after a win or not, you know, breaking any social distancing rules out there, wearing a mask, whatever that may absolutely have a competitive advantage for a team right now. And I I hate to rub anyone's face in it, but Florida may be at in peril of facing that. If they do miss the LSU game and they do miss the Missouri game. And like I just said, if they do possibly have to shut down or postpone another game, the odds of them winning the SEC East, if Georgia does not face similar circumstances and similar postponements, are going to absolutely take a hit, more so than they already have in a loss per sense, because then you have less ground to make up. And and I, I hate to be that person who's sitting here on some pedestal being like, ha-ha, I told you so, in a sense. But this is one of those reasons about why people were saying – everything about the precautions and how how careful people had to be or they could absolutely have a competitive disadvantage yeah i mean even if florida can play missouri next week we don't know what players would be available (laughs) if you know because yeah granted it looks like you know all these tests have come around the same time so you would think all the guys would come back around the same time uh, but, you know, if guys aren't able to practice the, the next couple of weeks, you know, how's their conditioning? Are, are they are, will they be ready to play? And, and you know, can 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 they come back or are, are some guys going to still be out by the time the Missouri game rolls around? So, yeah, this isn't just um, go ahead, Graham. Yeah, think about think about it real quick. I just want to break down, you know, the math in a sense. You, you brought up the, the days and I don't want to be a Debbie Downer again, but let's just do the math in a sense. It is Wednesday. So. If you started quarantining players, we know that they did some team activities Monday. So the first day that could possibly count theoretically would be Thursday. And the SEC rules say that if you test positive for the virus, it's a 10-day quarantine before you can return. So we're talking 10 days at a minimum for 21 players. But then if you were just around someone who is tested even negative and waiting a result, you have to do a 14-day quarantine. So you're talking about 10 more players that may have to be out two weeks from today. So best case scenario, if you get everyone back from the vi- who had the virus, 21 players and the assistant coaches, the best case scenario that you could get them back would be next Friday, the day before the Missouri game. And I'll just let that speak for itself. <laughs> yeah, lots of, uh, lots to wonder about, lots to still uh, kind of sift through. I'm sorry, I, I hate to be that negative, but... Yeah, I mean that's kind of what happened, you know. Once once people found out the whole nineteen number came out and said, you know, it it really did kind of come about that. Okay, Florida's not playing a game. <laughs> you kind of knew uh, right away when that nineteen number came out. It was going to be very difficult uh, to to Florida for Florida to to play a game. And that number, uh, you know, kind of was you know rectified or not rectified, but reaffirmed uh, the the next day. And that's why we are uh, where we are uh, right now. So. 
Grant, man, any last thoughts uh, with kind of how this may uh, play out or, 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 you know, kind of what's going to happen um, as we look at, at Florida going forward? And um, it's uh, – uh, everybody said something like this was inevitable. And, of course, I'll get back to the point. That's why the SEC built in the, the bye week. And, yeah, of course it is. And, um, yeah, I think the whole point that Scott Strickland was going back to is some of the guys that, you know – if they had symptoms, they wish they would have said something because and now you're 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 in closer quarters than you are most of the time when you're traveling, and that's probably how it spread while Florida was getting ready to travel and traveling to College Station, being around each other uh, in locker rooms and buses and airplanes and going out there in Texas. That probably seemed, you know, if we can put it together and can assume a little bit, that's probably uh, where everything kind of just blown blew up a, a little bit regarding this and and all the events afterwards. So. Man, it's just, uh, you know, I'll kind of go back to the beginning, too. We, we, we had football, we got a taste, and now we're just kind of on standby till all this gets figured out. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think that t- two final thoughts real quick. One is going to be personal, but before that, let me just remind everyone that back in before the Lakers just won the championship, which already feels like a few weeks ago, just in this COVID-19, 2020 world, I... Go back to June when they first started the bubble. You know, there were bubble breaches and, uh, you know, the Lou Williams thing. And, uh, you know, the bubble got breached and multiple things happened. They rebounded from it and still had a season. So there is still room to be optimistic that Florida can restart, get back to it, and show that, again, once again, you follow these procedures that we have in place and, and, you talk about doubling down, Scott Strickland doubled down on, on his assertment that he thinks Florida has a good model in place. And for 11 weeks, he thought that they had a good model and they just lived with the reality that you're going to have a spatter of cases, whatever you want to call it. And it's all about just avoiding it becoming a spreading epidemic. And, Glenn, and before you, I, and before I, you I am, go further there, man, college kids are going to be college kids. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I, I, I hate to sit here on any high horse and say, well, you shouldn't go to Midtown because, you know, I, I lived I lived right across the street on, from Buckman Drive when I was at UF. You know, I lived there in Fletcher Hall. And when I was 19, 20 years old, I worked at 101 Cantina, RIP. You know, I'm, I'm not one to sit here and say, you shouldn't be doing this, you shouldn't be doing that. Because if I was to look at myself at that age, I absolutely would probably be taking those risks because I understand how, I guess, low the sense is. Mm-hmm of possibly dying from the virus at that age while understanding there are so many beneficial risks, benefits, excuse me, to socializing and going out and meeting people and not letting, like people have said, the virus dominate your life. But with that said, I'm not supporting anyone doing that and then going and seeing their parents or going in home. If you take those risks, you then should not be careless is the only way I see it in my mind. I'm just going to leave it on a personal message. And, you know, I feel like too much we are, I feel like too often we're too critical of people like in Scott Strickland's position or athletes who may not know that they have the virus. Well, how did you not know? Let me say this. I've lived in Gainesville my entire life. I, I get immunotherapy. For those who don't know that, I get allergy shots once a month. And, you know, 24 hours ago, in the midst of this entire thing, I, you know, I think I know what allergy symptoms look like. And I'm going to send you a picture later, Dave, if you don't believe me. But 24 hours ago, I broke out in the weirdest time. And I, I'm the one who, who thinks that I know 
everything about my allergies. And I, I was thinking about going to the hospital last night. It was that wild. And nothing, you know, when I called my dad and asked him, he was like, probably something just blooming around here. And that is just the mentality of people around here. And if you lived here and all that, you definitely know that anyone trying to indict people who had the sniffles or a headache and were told it was just allergies. Because that is this how week too, life man. It hit is. Me this week too. Exactly. It, yep. You know, and it's not even just hay fever, it's ragweed, it's it's everything around this time of year. You're gonna get the sniffles, you're gonna get a headache, you're gonna sneeze. And if we were quarantining everyone who did that or you were shutting everything down, I am with people that that is just not the right move. And I, I'm just saying personally, I totally understand what those people were going through when they, it was Friday, if they were sniffling and had a headache and they were thinking, oh, this is just allergies, I haven't done anything. I couldn't be COVID-19 positive. It was not reckless. That is just how life is. And I just hope people see that. Yeah, I agree. Um, and like you said, uh, the kind of kudos to Scott Strickland there for, you know, the presser and, and taking the questions and, and, and answering them straight ahead uh, and straightforward and, and like he can do. There was, a, there was a reason he was named Athletic Director of the Year. And one of those today was one of those examples of uh, the leadership I think Florida has under him. And look, you have helped right there on campus too. And, you know, Florida will get this thing figured out. Uh, as you said, they'll, they'll figure out the, the best way to trace it and, and, and see. Uh, they, they have an inkling of how it happened and, and, and what was done uh, to spread it. But I, I would say, you know, Florida's in good hands moving forward. It may have just kind of hit at the wrong time where you may miss a game or two just because, like you said, we're finding out on a Wednesday. You may quarantine some guys on a Tuesday and Wednesday. But, you know, I, I would say, you know, Florida's going to do their best to get this thing figured out. And if it, if it flares up again or whatever, then you just kind of know, hey, that, that, that's just the nature of the beast of this virus. And uh, some, sometimes you can take all the precautions in the world. It's going to happen. Yeah, if they can figure out, I'll say this. I know I said last thing, but if they can figure out, uh, whoever figures it out, a bubble method that works for football where maybe it's Disney, but you're going to fig- have to figure out a playing surface that isn't going to cost millions of dollars to fix after 15 games or so have happened on it. Whoever can figure out the way a bubble would work in college football is going to absolutely be, uh, that's a billion dollar ticket in my mind. That's a billion dollar (laughs) ticket. I think uh, the SEC would just want to move all the teams to Atlanta (laughs) and just figure it out there, figure it out there in the Mercedes Benz dome. (laughs) Yeah, that'd be nice. That's a, that's a good place to play. Although, uh, Florida doesn't have a current good record there, I don't think, so far. But that's a good place to play. <laughs> All right, Graham Hall, Gainesville Sun. Hey, man, thanks for uh, hopping on here. I know kind of we threw this thing together right quick to, to let Gators Breakdown listeners know everything going on, our thoughts about it, and uh, what's to come for these Gators, man. Well, thank you, thank you once again. Hey, my pleasure. Y'all stay safe, stay healthy out there. Hopefully we'll see some football uh, within the next couple of weeks back here in Gainesville. All right, that's Graham Hall. I'm the host of Gators Breakdown, David Waters. You can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. Guys and girls out there, thanks for listening to this episode of Gators Breakdown. <laughs>